to the High Sensory People podcast. I'm Alicia May. I'm a High Sensory Leader coach and creative empath. And I'm Jane Elizabeth Aston. I'm a High Sensory coach, empath and entrepreneur. We're High Sensory People and we're passionate about raising awareness of the HSP trait, reframing it from being highly sensitive to high sensory and having high sensory intelligence. Did you know that 20 to 30% of the world's population are high sensory? We want to increase our visibility, change how the world sees us and inspire and empower all HSPs to own their amazing qualities and unique gifts. We would love you to join us on this journey. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Today, we're going to be talking about self-care as a high sensory person and why it's not selfish because when we take care of ourselves, everyone benefits. So to start off with, um, let's talk about why is self-care not being selfish? Alicia, would you like to kick us off with that? Yeah. So um, for starters, they both have two complete different meanings. Selfish is where somebody's, um, they're not considering somebody somebody else's um feelings or emotions or you know what position they might be in you know it's lacking that consideration for other people you know that's what selfish is um and if anything hsps and empaths we do the complete opposite we actually lack consideration for our own needs don't we you know, and then self-care, you know, really is the practice of taking action to preserve or improve one's own health. So they're two very, very different meanings, but somehow with our deep conditioning, putting your own individual needs first is branded branded selfish. Um, but when when we look at it properly and healthily, putting your needs first as a HSP means that we just show up for the world in a very, very different way. You know, we're completely different people when we're putting our needs first, you know, not to mention just the obvious things that we're happier, we're more balanced, we're more connected with our gifts and our unique abilities, and we just show up differently, just completely differently to the world. What about you, Jane? How would you sort of describe the two? Yes, I mean, I think you just said such great, such great stuff there. And, you know, this idea of, of being of being selfish, um, I think as, as a, a high sensory person, I always tended to over-empathise with the people around me to the point that I could really feel, I knew when they were not feeling good, when they were upset, when they were sad, when they were angry, when they were afraid, when they were tired, when they were this, that, and the other. And and I, you know, and I, I prioritized their needs above my own. Mm. And, and partly, you know, that was about survival, you know, maybe when I was at school or when I was younger and, uh, but then, uh, you know, you talked about, you know, we are conditioned Mm. to do that. But I think as high sensory people, that conditioning can affect us very, very deeply. We are very, you know, um, we, we are very attuned to it. And it impacts on us and it sort of goes, it, it went into me and almost became a part of me mm. um, to, the, to the point that rather than putting my own needs first or indeed putting my own needs on a par with the mm. people around me, 
I put other other people's needs ahead of mine. My needs became subsumed within the needs of everybody around me, within the greater good. And, you know, isn't that lovely? I was very unselfish, I suppose. But in a way, it did me no good. And it didn't do anyone else around me any good either, because in not prioritizing myself, in not prioritizing my own self-care, and I didn't really know what that was for quite a time. But I can see now that, you know, every time I rode roughshod over what I really needed, um, a little bit more of me who I really am, my life and the fire in me got squashed. Mm. And, you know, um, ultimately that meant that I became quite ill physically and mentally. Um, and the people around me didn't get the best of me. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. And then when I grew older, I was not free to be my best for the people around me, for the people I worked for and with, for my friends, for my family. So, you know, it's been a big journey really to to work out what does self, what is self-care? Why is it not selfish? I'm pretty sure it's not selfish now. I know it's really important um, because it is really important for me to be who I'm supposed to be in the world and to be able to show up as I am because that's actually when things feel the most free and flowing and also when people around me seem to enjoy my company the most and when I have the most fun. Yeah, exactly. How does that I loved it. Yeah, you said so many things because for years, you know, I I didn't know what my needs were, you know. I knew what my common needs were, so to speak, you know. And but I was always lacking in something. But when I found out about having high sensory intelligence, it was kind of that aha moment of, oh, okay. Okay, I'm understanding myself on a whole different level. And that since then, I've upped my self-care. So I've been sort of self-caring what I thought for years, but it was never enough. I was still suffering with anxiety, depression. I still felt lost. I still didn't really feel me. And so since knowing about um, high sensory intelligence and my sensory needs, putting into practice the daily self-care that I need to thrive and be my best self, because like you've just said, when I'm really in my truth and I'm really balanced and I've done all my self-care, you know, everybody's like, wow, you're just amazing to be around. And I'm like, oh, thanks. That's amazing. But, you know, don't always feel like that. And that's why self-care is so important to keep that balance. Um, And um, yeah, so it, it really is essential. But until, you know, it's like we all have our own individual needs, don't we? And so learning about my individual needs, but really my sensory needs, self-care needs, that's really when things just um, took on a whole different dimension for me, really. And the empath side, you know, it took me years to accept my empath abilities, um, literally a couple of decades. And since I've accepted that and realised okay, hang on a minute, if I'm going to show up in the world in the way I want to be seen and, and to be me, wow, I've, I've really got to, you know, change my self-care um, and just up it. And it's amazing the difference it makes um, having that alone time, having that downtime as an empath, because we, yes, as HSPs, we take in so much 
data sensory experiences but as an empath it takes it on a whole nother level so that's why the self-care then has to be even more important you know and I've almost become you know a bit more you know a lot more antisocial. even though I love being around people and I love inspiring everybody you know I really have to balance it out with plenty of alone time and it really has made a difference and you know I'm I'm a recovering people pleaser um comfortably and you know that's where HSPs were just natural our default isn't it to people please it's it's because like you said earlier you spent years knowing what everybody else felt like what everybody else needed and over the years, I was always meeting everybody else's needs, never really meeting my own um, and just always suffering with burnout um, and fatigue, but just getting by. And um, yeah, so it just it makes such a difference when you start to learn. And it takes a while. Would, wouldn't you say, Jane, like it takes a while to really step back and go, well, hang on a minute. Who am I? What are my individual needs? And what are my high sensory needs and what are my empath needs you know you it really takes a while it's it doesn't happen overnight you can implement some of the tools that we've we implement and we'll go into those but it takes a while to really know what you need would you say yeah absolutely and you said so much great stuff there but it really does take i mean it's taken me you know decades i don't think it needs to take anyone that long, but it's taken me decades to work out what I need and how to fit that into my day, Right. how to make it practical and how to make it sustainable. Um, and, you know, and, and we are going to talk about, you know, how and, and what, you know, we, we each do, what the kind of cornerstones, I guess, of our self-care are. But but shall we talk about, first of all, like before we move into the solution, should we talk a little bit more about, you know, the, the, the problem, I guess, you know, what happens when we don't prioritise self-care? And, you know, I already alluded to that a little bit about, you know, when I was growing up and I didn't know it was important mm. and I ended up, you know, kind of shutting down and my adult life has very much been about, you know, how do I kind of open back up again how do I heal from that um you know not that I had a terrible time when I was younger but I was you know an HSP mm. an empath these things were not known about no. uh, and because they weren't known about there, there was no you know there, there was nothing around to help me navigate that yeah. so you know it was it was as it it was exactly as it was supposed to be, I think, and has led to, I suppose, sitting here today. But nonetheless, I mean, like these days, like what happens when you don't prioritise self-care release? Like how does it make you feel? How do you know that maybe the balance needs to shift a little bit? Great, great question. Um, it's It sort of starts with little signs, really, and it's amazing how it can either come in physical form so if I've overdone it, um, I'll start feeling dehydrated. I'll start feeling quite nasally, um, sniffly as if I'm getting a cold. Mm -hmm. But because I know that sign so well now, I know that, right, this evening I've got to up the self-care, get some sleep and do what, what needs to be done tomorrow, but just you know, cut, cut everything else out. And I just, I don't get a cold. Like I don't, I'm not a sickly person. 
So I know that's a sign, a physical sign. And it's headaches as well. So if I've been on the laptop too long, um, too many Zooms or anything, um, I'll get headaches. So I know, right, clock that off. Um, And also it can present itself in anxiety. That's always been my, like, probably my top thing is is i can just start to feel anxious um and the self care can be be any anything really whether it's sort of you know i i can get anxiety attacks if i've got a sugar low you know and i and i look at the clock and i think oh gosh i haven't eaten anything for 3 hours immediately as soon as i eat something that anxiety just dissipates like it's 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 almost like magical it's like a ridiculous process um so for me it's it's definitely anxiety um and also the sleep if i've if i've got too much going on and i haven't allowed myself those pauses in the day or enough downtime at the end of the day and decompression um my sleep can can often suffer um these days, but it, it does look very different these days to back then because back back in the you know years ago you you know we alluded to wow we would just we would sort of lose ourselves completely we'd sort of go we'd go so far down those rabbit holes um, whereas these days it takes you know a couple of hours maybe or a couple of minutes or just a couple of days to just recharge and, and restore. So, um, so yeah, the ma- main things are the physical sort of headaches, maybe a bit of fatigue, um, and um, and then the anxiety can kick in. It's that kind of, it's like a sensation in my body. To be honest, um, sometimes it can just be as if my, literally as if my body's just talking to me, saying, "You're cooked, you're fried," like, and just. Can we just be for a minute? Can we just stop doing? And can we just can we just be? Can we just sit out in the garden or just go for a walk or just and just be? And yeah, that really helps. Just listening to the body is is key for me these days. It kind of whispers to me. I know that sounds really daft, but it, it yeah. What about you, Jane? How does it show up for you these days? Oh, in really similar ways, but also some kind of differences. And I think, you know, and I love that there are some differences because we are each really unique. Absolutely. It's like we are each, as high sensory people, we are each really finely tuned instruments or, you know, high performance vehicles or something, you know, like sports cars or whatever. Um, and yeah, for me, um, I I find if I'm if I'm tired anyway because sleep is sometimes trickier than others um if I'm tired anyway then my self care has to be upped I I need more downtime I need more um I need kind of like better kind of food mm. I have to work harder to regulate my blood sugar yeah. you know if I you know go a little bit off plan with mm. you know what I eat it will have a bigger impact on me when I am a little bit sleep deprived than if I'm you know than if I got my eight and a half hours last night or whatever. So, um, but I think, you know, what, when you were talking came to me was, um, when I am with people, like I, I love being with people for short or contained amounts Mm. of time gives me a real buzz Mm. but when I'm with people for a bit too long or perhaps when I'm with people who are not quite on my wavelength and I'm having to make quite a lot of effort Mm. to connect or maybe you know they I can tell they they are um 
their kind of need is the wrong word, but they're probably getting a lot more out of the conversation than I am. And, and that does happen. Yeah, and if it's well, small not talk. even small talk, but you know, they they just they 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 are. I don't know. I'm not a therapist, you know, I'm a coach, but they are perhaps using me in that capacity a little bit, even though we're having a coffee. What I find is I know when it's time to leave because I start getting stomachache. Ah, yes. It literally goes there and I'm like, okay, I can feel my body is telling me time to go. And at that point, I know I need to make my excuses and leave mm. or just, you know, like find a way to extricate myself mm. from the conversation yeah. and go. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, my, my body speaks to me quite clearly now. And actually mm. my body used to do that when I was a child. I got right. a lot of stomach ache. I got a lot of sore throats. I got a lot of illness, which I, you know, didn't realize was my body telling me stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So, you know, it was a problem then, but now as long as I attend to it, if I get a sore throat in the evening, it's usually because I've oh. been um, pushing it a little bit too much the last few days. Yeah. And all I know I need to do is have an early night, take, you know, some vitamin C and some zinc or the kind of, you know, uh, maybe some elderberry, the kind of, you know, immune system stuff, get a good night's sleep and maybe have a nice quiet day the next day. And I'm usually fine. It doesn't, Mm. you know, turn into, you know, a a kind of a, you know, a cold or a virus. So, you know, I I have to sort of take care of that. And the other thing it reminded me of was um, jet lag. Oh, really yeah. tricky, I think. Oh. I mean, it's tricky for us all, but my goodness me, as a high sensory person, you know, and, and an empath, jet lag is really tricky. And I remember I was in um I was in America um and uh I was staying with my uh then partner's family in uh in Texas mm. and I was still really jet lagged. And we went to some sort of, you know, some kind of school fate or something, their kids. And I was, you know, like I'd only been in that time zone for 48 hours and it was just coming up to, you know, like midnight or Mm. something, my time. Mm. And I remember being at this school fate and it was almost like I could feel my body and my mind just shutting down. Right. Yeah. You know, like a shop with like those metal shutters that yeah. get pulled down and there's no getting in or out. It was like I could feel the metal shutters being pulled down over me so yeah. that I was scarcely able to see, speak, think, yeah. move. And I just said, I, I need to go. Yeah. I need to go now. And that was me having gone too far out of my self-care zone and with jet lag it you know it is really tricky and I think what I've learned is when I go to a new time zone plan to not do anything for a good couple of days absolutely the 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 more different the time zone is from where I'm used to the longer I'll need like I don't actually feel right for it takes me about a day for every hour yeah, well, that makes it really tricky. It but anyway, you know, it's miserable to not yeah. attend to that. So that you know, I, I, I shut down increasingly mm. in every way. The the less that I prioritise self care. Absolutely, yeah. I you said loads of things that I definitely resonate with. The jet lag is is a is a bitch for me as well. I mean, I remember when I've come back from just America, which is five hours, it takes me about a week. I think I realised takes me about seven days, um, yeah. and going there. Oh, the first three are tricky. They really are tricky. Um, 
And the dip in energy really resonated with that. There is this sort of dip in energy, um, whether whether that is the sugar level or just like you said, when you're talking to somebody or, or you're in a situation, like we were saying, it's like the body just talks to us and it's almost like it's communicating, uh-uh, you know, computer isn't working now or warning, you know, and we just Yeah, need- it's like you're not listening to what yeah. I'm saying to you. So I'm gonna tell you in a louder way right. your body. That's it. And then and then you said about the shutdown and I was like, God, I can relate to that so much over the years, like looking back that um, there is this just this system shutdown, isn't it? It's absolutely system shutdown. And we can get like subtle ones. It's almost like there's different levels of a shutdown. And it's kind of like, you know, level one is just a subtle, subtle shutdown. It's like a warning sign. And then there's like level two and then it shuts down more and then and then it sort of keeps going. And then, I mean, I've uh, looking back, I've had some horrendous situations where I've just kept going, kept going, you know, like like non-HSPs. And then I just, you know, we either explode or implode sometimes, you know, sometimes it can just be in a complete explosion of emotions um, and thoughts and overwhelm. And then sometimes it can just be an implosion where we just get that shut down and we literally can't compute. We can't communicate and we've just got to be left alone. And that's the keys. And it just like leave us alone when we've gone past our point. But knowing that you're HSP makes a massive difference because until then I was always trying to be like everybody else. And I know this is quite a common thing with a lot of people. And I just think it is really helpful to know scientifically and biologically you are different. Therefore, it's okay to put your self-care needs as a priority because like we've said, we show up for the world completely differently. Yes, we do. And when we are able to show up for the world, you know, with all of us, we are really amazing, Mm. special, inspiring people who bring something unique, each of us. And that's not to say, you know, that people who aren't HSP don't do that as well. It's just that we need particular conditions for that to be able to happen. And I think that's what I've realized over the years that I don't need to compete with the other 70 to 80% of people right. in terms of how long I can keep going for, how long I can be out for, how long I can do without sleep for, how long I can go without food and water for, how long, you know, it, it doesn't matter mm. because what I need is what I need. I am genetically right. predestined to need quite a lot of downtime, quite a lot of self-care to get me into a good space physically, Mm. emotionally and spiritually as well. And that's how I want to feel in the world. That's how Mm. I deserve to feel in the world. And that's how I want to show up in the world to be, you know, to be there for others and do the work that I am supposed to do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I just before we go on to the last question, I just wanted to add because I know we're going to talk about this in other episodes, but it just um, really came up for me that this I'm guilty of it. And I know other people are. And, and maybe you can talk into it, Jane, is that quite often if we're not meeting our self-care and our needs, we are sort of prone, should we say, to go on to substance abuse, aren't we? To sort of numb those 
those desires that we have, I know that sounds like an extreme word, but it's like self-care is is really essential, you know, and meeting your needs. And quite often if we if we don't meet them, we either get, you know, anxiety, depression, burnout, or quite often we just <laughs> We numb it off. We cut it off with with substances, don't we? Absolutely. And for me, as you know, I have that you know very mm. strong history of substance abuse, and you know, I mean, I'm in recovery from that now, and have been for more than a decade. And and for me, partly, you know, substances and you know the kind of the uppers and the downers, mm. the things that made me more lively, and the things that kind of calmed me down were both really useful for me. Partly to numb the pain of you know not knowing really why I had all these feelings and couldn't cope with them and secondly because they help me look like other people yeah yeah they could keep you know oh I'll have this and it will mean that I can stay out until six in the morning and then I'll have this that means I can go to sleep afterwards you know my non-HSP friends didn't need as much of those things Mm. or didn't need them at all and they would be able to do all of that and they would kind of be all right afterwards I mean I would be destroyed afterwards you know Mm. physically mentally spiritually I would you know feel really broken um but they did for quite a while in my uh 20s particularly late teens 20s and also a little bit of my 30s um they did they they helped me to perform Mm. as though I wasn't HSP yeah there was a cost. Yeah, exactly. So there was a big cost in the end. Otherwise, you know, my goodness me, I'd I'd still be doing it or dead. Um, and thank God I'm neither of those things. But yeah, they they absolutely helped me to look non-HSP mm-hmm. when I have the body and brain yeah. and spirit of an HSP. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Jane. Yeah. So should we finish off on question three? Let's talk about, you know, what key bits of self-care we put in and you know why why do they help why why does everyone benefit from us doing that so um for me i just i want to share this sort of meeting my individual self-care needs really puts me in touch with the truth of who i am and my connection with my soul and my heart and we you know how i'm supposed to be in the world and what I'm I'm here to do. Um, and so sort of from a day-to-day perspective, you know, I, I do need more alone time than most people. You know, people are like, oh, but you seem really extroverted. It's like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with being outgoing, passionate and enthusiastic, but my gosh, do I need a lot of alone time because I think I sort of give off so much energy in those moments that I need that alone time and downtime to just restore and process, you know, processing everything is key for us, isn't it? Whether it's processing what's happened in the day, whether it's conversations, whether it's a piece of music, whether it's a movie, um, you know, we've got to process so many things. Um, Nature time is massive for me. I know we touched on that. It just really, oh, it's it's my daily sort of self-care fix, you know, really just helps so so much um the downtime is is really really essential um and the downtime it's alone time is really important whether that's working alone 
or if that's the downtime, which is it could be yoga, it could be meditating, it could be reading a novel, just listening to music quietly, it could be sitting in the garden. You know, that downtime can be quite a few things. Um, journaling's really essential. Um, I find they say scientifically that journaling is as effective as talking therapy, don't they? So I do find that really is part of my self-care regime is is journaling um normally twice a day um quite often because i find in the morning there's things that just need to come out that might not have been processed in in the night um and then at the end of the day there's just things that when they're on the paper they're out of my mind and it just enables me to get better sleep um creating mindfulness sort of during the day really really helps just really mindfully doing things, um, not just doing them mindlessly, you know, being mindful of them. And um, the positive self-talk, um, it's taken me years um, and that really is essential. I, to me, positive self-talk really is self-care. You know, it's part of the well-being, isn't it? Because we have that negative bias, don't we? Just that programming of a natural negative bias in the brain. Um, and um yeah, so I'll, I'll leave that there. I think that's enough for now. What about you, Jane? Oh, so many great tools there, Alicia. Thank you so much for yeah taking taking us through those and lots and lots of similarities in terms of you know what I what I do so that I can show up in the world you know as I as I want to feel and be and and I think you know one of the most important ones is not trying to do too much mm. in any. Given given day, mm. not trying to do too much. And I've learned to my detriment that even on really busy days, if I've got a lot that needs to be done, accomplished work, maybe I've got a couple of social appointments or whatever it is, it is really important for me to get up early enough to do mm-hmm. a little bit of journaling and a little bit of meditation and ideally a little bit of exercise too. Yes. Um, those three things. Now I pretty much always manage two out of three. For me, the journaling and the meditation are non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. If I don't do those and I do experiment with not doing it every now and then, yeah, and my yeah. day is never good and I right. feel disconnected mm. from my own soul and spirit and self. Mm. Yeah. I don't feel right. Sure. I get to start, you know, what I'm supposed to be getting on with and doing earlier, mm. but I'm less productive. I'm less effective and I'm a lot less joyful. I am so much less joyful and that's no fun. That's not, mm. I want, that's not what I want. That's not what, how I want to spend my days. So just by devoting, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes to those things. And if I exercise as well, a bit longer, um, then the rest of my day is so, so much better. Um, yeah. So alone time, you talked about the importance of alone time and I, I schedule in alone time. Mm, now. Same. I know if I'm out, you know, one evening, the next day, I'm not going to want to do very much the next morning, or if I have to do something the next morning, then the afternoon will need to be clear. I just need to kind of block out big swathes of time in my calendar. Did you want to say something? Well, I just want to emphasize that for me was a game changer. Yes. I cannot stress when I started doing that, when I really started honoring, you know, really honoring, honoring my sensory side and my empath side, 
I thought, right, I've got to get this nailed. Um, and, and yeah, I just can't emphasize that scheduling alone time was a game changer for me. Really. Yeah. Yeah. It's Amazing. not just something to be squeezed in around no. things that I'm supposed to be doing. It, it actually has to be as important as the um, active events yeah. in my life. And I frequently these days turn down invitations to do yeah. things because yeah. I've already got enough in that day. Mm. I could fit it in physically. I could right. get myself there. I could show up, but I know it will be to my detriment. The sacrifice again, isn't it? It's that it'll sacrifice. It'll be pleasing. Mm. It'll be sacrificing my own needs, my own well-being to make somebody else happy. And actually they might not be that bothered. Right. You know, party or something. <laughs> yeah. If it's a big social event, are they really going to mind if I'm not there and if I maybe meet them another time, if we do something else instead? So I, I just, um, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm really careful to, I say, I say yes to what I want and no to what I don't want now. Yeah. You know, I know that I have that choice and that's been a really huge part of my self-care. And in being, in doing that and in being that, when I do show up to something for someone, I really want to be there. Yeah. I really want to. I'm really happy to be there. I'm really pleased to see people. And I can take, like, you know, I can take, I can take my best self there yeah, and I don't have to try. It's effortless and it's fun and it's mm. joyful and I can really enjoy it. And I hopefully can like take some of that and spread it around a little bit and make, you yeah. know, like everybody between us, we can make the event what it is rather than I'm there and I'm tired and I'm maybe resentful and I'm just like, oh, I can't believe I, you know, it doesn't do me any good when I get into a little argument in my head about I went to their party, but then they didn't bother going to mine. It has to be unconditional. What yeah, I do, absolutely. I've got to do it because I am happy to do that. Mm. So that's a really big part of my self-care. And the other thing that I think is, is quite a, a big part of my self-care and a really healing thing, because you talked about nature, we've talked about exercise, I've talked about food, um, music, listening mm. to music that oh. calms me down or makes me dance. Yeah. You know, that is really a lovely bit of self-care for me. Um, you know, as well as meditation, I do quite like to pray mm -hmm. um, as, as you know, somebody, you know, in, in recovery, the kind of prayer and meditation has been really key for me, kind of plugging into all of that sort of, you know, spiritual connection. Well, well, we, we underplay the power of prayer, don't we? We really under, uh, underplay it and it's no... It's no different to affirmations and mantras, really. Not really. Um, no. So there's so much power in them. It's not always a quick fix. No. Like, you know, when I used to perhaps get home from a tough day and grab a gin and tonic or two or three, you know, that would that would make that would shift how I felt really quickly. Mm. Whereas now, you know, a bit of meditation or listening to music or prayer, it might not shift me quite so quickly, but it does shift how I feel. I just have to be a little bit more patient. And the effect um, is longer lasting, I would say, isn't it, with those natural remedies? Don't give you a hangover, which is, you know, 
brilliant for me because as a, as a high sensory person, my hangovers were brutal. I couldn't I couldn't hack them. Oh, they were too much. That's why I just yeah, they were vile. I'm so grateful not to have those. And that's another bit of self-care that I do actually is a gratitude list. In oh, the yeah. I usually write, you know, five things that I'm grateful mm-hmm. for, which helps to end my day on a really good note. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it helps me sleep better. Um, I also think you mentioned nature. I find animals, oh. being around animals, I'm, you know, I'm a self self-professed like crazy cat lady cats (laughs) make me you know they're really very calming animals Mm. dogs most animals really Mm. I find just being around them having a little chat with them Mm, part of my self-care just part of my connection to myself and everything around me absolutely yeah love animals I'm I'm the crazy guinea pig lady so I'll um I'll admit that happily but yeah animals birds I'm obsessed when I go for walks and just I just sit and I have to just watch the birds oh it makes me feel amazing and just That's so beautiful. connected just amazing but and you I said love I love it at the moment I saw a, a jay yesterday I think it was oh. a jay. they're so pretty mm. and I watched him for ages and then later on a blackbird they have the most beautiful song I know they're incredible and just mm. you know that is also part of my self-care rather than, you know, rushing to where right. I was going to just yep. stand and yep. take listen, it in, really kind of immerse myself in that moment mm. with the birds singing. Yeah. Those little beings, they're That's really magical. It. Anyway. Yeah, no, love it. It's that mindfulness again, isn't it? It's that just being yeah. in the moment, like you say, instead of rushing. Just before we end, just want to uh, reiterate when you said about showing up to events and things, is that... I was showing up for years as half of me, you know, especially yes. after my brother um, died. Yeah. And it's that, well, I, I got fed up of everybody seeing half of me because it's not even nice for me. It's not, yeah. I mean, everybody else was ha- more than happy with it, but it's like, well, I don't like it. I don't want to be half of me. And I'd much rather do less with people and each time see them less often, but show up the whole of me, the whole package, 100% rather than the half of me. And then the other thing is, it's just reiterating the whole, it's okay to say no. And I think as HSPs, that's one of the hardest words for us to um, verbalise, isn't it? Because we feel bad letting people down. We feel bad saying no because we don't want to upset anybody because we're natural people pleasers. It's a default. So it, it really is a muscle, that word, isn't it? It really, really is. And I just want to pick up on what you said about, you know, wanting to show up with the whole of you. And that's how it is for me. And, and I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that being able to show up with the whole of me or you showing up with the whole of you, well, it makes the work that we do as coaches possible, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. It's essential that I'm able to show up with the whole of me Mm. connected to myself, connected, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, that's a prerequisite for the coaching that I do. And ultimately that's why for me, it is not selfish to do self-care. It makes the work that I'm here to do possible. Exactly. Yeah. Agree with everything you've just said. Right. Well, should we wrap that up for today, Jane? 
Oh, I think so. Yeah. So thank you so much, everybody, for joining us today. I'm so, so happy and grateful that you got to the end of this episode. Uh, it's a little bit shorter than last week's. So that was um, intentional. <laughs> because it was a bit long last time so um, we would love to hear from you with any questions or comments that you have and we'll put our contact details in the show notes below so please do join us for uh, next week's episode when we'll be talking about managing the environment at home and at work so that we can show up in the world as our best selves bye for now bye for now